everybody. My name is Anna Kadena. What? What did I do this time, Larry? It's my turn. Hey, everybody. <laughs> my name is Lorenzo Coronado. <laughs> That's my new name. I gotta have something cooler. My name's not cool enough. I'm with somebody named Larry, who name undetermined at this point. And I need an alias. I want an alias. Trip. Yeah. Triple Dale, who is just sitting there in the back corner. <laughs> I, was, I was born with witnessing. Yeah, it's not yeah. even my real name. <laughs> um, <sighs> so today we're talking about something kind of interesting happening in the world today as people start leaving their, their work towns, their career towns, and going back home. What happens when we have finally a diverse set of people uh, spursed out on a on a on a global perspective, but what does the culture end up looking like? What does um, the economic impacts look like? We're not just talking about Zoom towns. That is an episode that we've covered in the past. We're kind of diving a little deeper into what will, how will political uh, parties be swayed if more people from California move into rural Iowa, for example? Um, how will the economy look different? Like, more money, more investment money being poured into the Rust Belt. Um, old towns that used to be vibrant now coming back to life. What does that look like? So uh, I have my co-host today um, to kind of like dive in and discuss what what's the new world going to look like. Mm-hmm. I think Absolutely. that's a stupid idea. Let's just get that off the <laughs> off the case. No, I'm kidding. Which part? But that seems to be like where every conversation starts today, right? Yeah, yeah that, it does. You're stupid. Yeah, yeah. you're stupid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's been fun to watch because I, well, it's not. No, I'm not going to use. It's not been fun to watch at all. Fun. It's been fun. the opposite of fun. Um, I grew up in Washington D.C., so I grew up around very diverse viewpoints, but even. Uh, it, it was not taken personally then, right? It wasn't. It wasn't a culture war to the degree that it's become today. And it's yeah, that's right. You know, I I kid around with friends. I call myself a radical moderate because I've lived so many different places. It's but it's hard mm-hmm, to watch mm-hmm. people you care about. It's almost like meeting your in law. I can only imagine it's like meeting your in laws for the first time. Uh, it's yeah, like what am yeah. I getting myself into? I've moved to this new place. Who are these people? Yep. yep. You've done it. I've done it recently. <laughs> I, I, I'm getting a small taste of it. So I grew up in a very conservative place. I grew up in southwestern Nebraska, a town of 1,200 people. I went to graduate school in Texas, slightly conservative, as you might have heard. <laughs> and then I moved to the Bay Area, California, which is extremely liberal. Um, and in the last, what, four, four years ago, five years ago, whatever, I moved up into a more rural part of California. And I don't think people realize how big California is and that you can have such a widely ranging culture and political views, but you can. This year has highlighted how different we are and how much we're hated <laughs> up here. Uh, I've already experienced as a Californian, I've been here for over 20 years now, we are not loved in Washington, Oregon, Idaho, you know, Colorado. People have been trickling out of California into those locations. And they tell you when you come to look at real estate, because I did once, they said, do not drive your your car with your California plates. Do not do it. You know, you're not welcome. Nobody wants to have another California in the neighborhood. It's happening at a micro level here. 
everybody where I live, I'm still in California, but everybody where I live says, we don't want those Bay Area people, those San Francisco people. And I'm part of a online community up here and just the vitriol, like, you know, I was sharing some of this with my uh, co-host earlier, you know, things like keep the urbans in their environment. We want zero growth. You know, we have to ban these people because they don't care about anything but, you know, supporting criminal lives. They don't, they don't support the police. Bay Area transplants ruin everything. You know, stay, stay there. You've ruined your community. Don't ruin our community. It's pretty bad. Um, this is now going to happen on a, on a massive scale because it's already happening. People are leaving the urban areas and moving into more rural communities. People are talking about leaving the United States and moving to places like New Zealand and Costa Rica. So Anna, <laughs> what have you seen in Costa Rica? You've seen some of this. Well, every, every ele- election cycle, they always talk about leaving or moving to like Canada. And then I feel like if people actually looked into the visa requirements to making this happen, it's a lot harder than you think to just That's get true. into yeah. Canada. Like a friend of mine, he was looking to move to Canada. He has a PhD in molecular uh, genetics or biology. I'm, I'm not sure what the title was, but it was fancy pants. Um <laughs> He still could not get into uh, Canada because he was too old, you know. So these are oh, things phew. I feel that, that. I feel <laughs> that. nobody wants me. So, you, like, so you're saying if I'm, I'm if I'm a barista with an art school degree, it's probably <laughs> probably not going to happen for me in Canada. Stay home. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe yeah. not. Um, and so they look to, towards Latin America, and I think it's because maybe the uh, the movies or whatever, but they just come on down here and they don't really do any of the research um, mm-hmm. at all. And they don't consider culture differences, food differences, shipping Amazon, even though Amazon has offices and facilities here, shipping things from Amazon to the country is difficult. It's expensive. You know, these are luxury items. So many people uh, will go to the United States for like, quote unquote, mule runs to get everything that they can't get in the in Costa Rica and then bring it down. So that means they'll bring down the latest <laughs> iPhones or iPads or whatever, because I'm telling you, if you go to the iPads or like the Apple store here, it's a reseller. It is double the price of what you can buy in the United States. And that is not an exaggeration. It is 100% more expensive to buy That's it ridiculous. here than in the United States. Here's a, here's a an absurd example of that, right? So in Vancouver, <laughs> British Columbia, there is a store called Pirate Joe's. Um, and it started with, you can, Trader Joe's does not have, uh, Trader Joe's, the grocery store, does not have locations in Canada. And so this guy mm-hmm. would do these over the border runs with a, like a panel truck and buy up all the Trader Joe's food he could. He'd empty the place out, drive it back across the border in Canada, and it wouldn't get taxed because it was food. Uh, and oh, then he would just resell it in Vancouver as Pirate Joe's with all the, you know, so it's, and Smart. Trader Joe's wouldn't do anything about it. That's but a it business was, person. There yeah, you go. it was one of these things like, well, I don't want to live in America, but man, do they have some good frozen uh, burritos, right? Um, it's, yeah. it's a, there was a th- Tra- Trader Joe's has actually become like a commodity in different types of uh, regions in the United States because they don't have them there. And so it, they will do meal runs 
just for Trader Joe's. But imagine doing this on like when you live in a country and right, doing this for right. everything, yeah. like everything down to like getting the right tool you want. Like you can't find certain tools that are commonplace in the United States. And a lot of things are not uh, made to standard. So, oh, this makes sense now. Now I know why you want to get your pilot's license. Okay. What? No. Now I, now I get it. I get no, it. She was, it totally, she's, it's a good she's investment. Banded. She's got, she's been looking up submarines, like, you know, how built DIY <laughs> submarines. How do you have access to my search history? What is this? <laughs> yeah. It, we're, but, we're all being watched. Yeah. But, it, but yeah. I think like back on topic, like this thing of like, we like pieces, like, I mean, I'm sure Trader Joe's in some place like Indianapolis is amazing for like being able to go and tacos and, and burritos. Like you can't get that kind of food in places like that, but it's very polarized and there's a xenophobia. And I think like it's not necessarily racism. It's not really about politics. It's this xenophobia that has this fear of the outsiders, fear of people that are going to change it, fear that you're judged from the outside. That seems to be like common. It's like the one thing that people have common across the entire spectrum. And yeah, how do you, it's unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, how, how do you depolarize that in a, in a way that I, I don't know. I, I mean, I remember <laughs> I, when I moved up here, I went to the local restaurant and I was like, I'll have dinner at the local restaurant and <clears throat> get to know people. And I walked in and the door closed and everybody turned and looked at me, not a smile on their face, not a friendly look. And then they slowly turned and looked away and that was it. It was just like absolutely silent. Even the, the wait staff weren't very friendly with me because they knew I was an outsider. I was like, wow, this is, this is very welcoming. Thank you. <laughs> so I, yeah. I, I've told you guys like, um, like when I was in my twenties, I lived, um, on the Pine Ridge Reservation for a couple of years. And uh, it was like my first encounter with this in real life because it was someplace, it wasn't just visiting. I was going there to work and live and had these very idealistic views on, you know, going in as this person and volunteering and, and teaching and working with the Native Americans. And that's not at all what it was like. It was like, they, they called us Wasichu which is taker of the fat. Like you literally shoot the buffalo and take the best parts and leave the rest. And that was sort I of I wonder why. Uh, sorry? <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> there, there may be some, there may be some history there. Yes. Yeah. There's a little bit of history, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a little, little you know, okay. <laughs> well, no, but think about it. When you think about, look, I didn't do it. But <laughs> you're probably related to somebody who did though. I don't I know. know. My people came in and like, like we, they, we came in and dug ditches. I mean, I'm like a couple generations removed from that, but okay, okay. like, it's not really the point. The history is there <laughs> and I've been a beneficiary of all of that, but going in and encountering that full stop on like, no, it wasn't even like hidden. It was like fully on hostile. Yeah. And I remember the one time where I've had one of those record scratch moments where you walk into the place and the place just goes absolutely dead quiet. I go, there was this place called Big Bats Texaco and it was the social center of the village of Pine Ridge. And that's where you would go and get your Jojo's and corn dogs. And like, that's, oh, that the was the stuff. place to be, yeah. uh, was Big Bats. And I walked in there one day 
and people didn't know I was affiliated with the school. <laughs> yeah, are you lost? And it was, it was being able to slowly enculturate and learn about the local culture and have the humility to kind of ask questions, not yeah, necessarily go in point. and try to make it the way that you know it, you think it should be, right? And I think and that's, that's, that's the key. That's a good point. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. so many people who come into a Latin American country, they kind of have that tie entitlement to them. Like, we don't need to follow the laws of our country yeah. because it doesn't make yeah. sense and it's ridiculous. And it's just like, well, if I tried to do that in your country, you would say I deserve to be locked up. So I don't understand why you're suddenly immune by traveling over the border. Um, and so it's a lot of that entitlement. And... I don't know if it's going to be more or, or, or better uh, as the world evolves. But definitely, I mean, you see in, in like digital nomad communities where they'll go to Thailand and completely be disrespectful to the Thai, uh, yeah, that's right. you know, yeah. sanctu sanctuaries and stuff like that. And not because I think maybe some of them are doing it for like YouTube views or whatever, but some of them are just genuinely clueless. And they I don't was going to say you just know. described about 50 percent of Instagram. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And TikTok and yeah. TikTok. Um, but they just genuinely had not done their research coming in and it ends up offending a whole population, you know. I think that's the key. So I think to give a little bit of advice to the people who might be listening and doing this, uh, because a lot of people are moving. You know, everybody always threatens they're going to move. This time they really are. This time they really are. And I think that is that the time that you should take to kind of read the room just like you would if you went to a party or you enter a conversation, you just come in and start talking. You shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't crash the party. But when you move into a new area that's quite different than where you've been before, and that could be in your own country, a different country, take some time, like several months or even longer, to kind of read the room, understand the culture and how people behave and what they expect. And because I see people move up here into the, this, it's very rural, lots of forest and country and wild animals, and they just don't understand. They're calling 911 when they see a bear. It's like you don't call 911 when you see a bear up here. You're just like, oh, okay, it's a bear. I'll get out of its way. They're putting up these massive fences, and people are here like, you don't do that because the deer run through everything. They're, wanting, they're installing lights everywhere. And people up here are like, I kind of like it dark. I can see the stars at night. So I think people should take a moment and try to understand the community that they're in and, and read the community a little bit and then figure out how to adapt and not just come crashing in with their own culture. Well, it's actually, I had an interesting experience. I went to uh, Washington, D.C. last year, and it had been a while since I was in the United States. Um and it's funny because when I'm in Costa Rica, I already know the kind of characters that could be potentially dangerous to me. Or I know at like five o'clock or after it starts getting dark, the kind of social situational awareness that I need to have. Um, I know by the somebody just by living here for so long, I know whether somebody could be a threat that could rob me or versus not. When I was in the United States. I had such a hard time figuring out, like, if this person is coming towards me, is they are they friend or foe? And I'm not yeah, saying that, like, yeah. and this was, like, with all different skin color types, too, because America, the United States is such a diverse place. I had such a hard time. Like, I would see a white person walk by, and I'm just like, 
I don't know if they're trying to rob me. It's like, who is trying to rob me? Is anybody trying to rob me? Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just raise your hand and ask. Yeah. yeah. Who, and, who's first? And it was yeah. quite interesting because my brain was finally put into a situation where it's like, I do not know any sort of like cues, social cues, whether I'm in danger or not. And I, I, knew, I looked up the place that I was staying at and it seemed like a relatively safe neighborhood. But, you know, after dark, you're not familiar with the neighborhood. Can I go down that alley to, to take the shortcut to get to this to, to back home, quote unquote, or do I have to take the main road? And and travel this way, so it's so that's, nuanced that's in that way. It's almost like well, everybody needs a culture buddy. Yeah, you know what I mean. I lived in Shanghai for like four months, and I had some local folks who hung out with us. You know, at, during the evenings, took us out to dinner, and the weekends we traveled. And like you said, I didn't know like what was right or wrong, risky or not risky, where to go, where not to go. And they did. And and it was really helpful for them to say, oh, you don't really want to go there. You can tell by this. Look at that storefront. That's not a place where you want to go. Now, that place is OK. So I, I wonder if part of this is like almost <laughs> everybody, everybody needs a local culture buddy to kind of help you understand and, and understand what's kind of what the norms are. Right. Well, and you, you guys know, I mean, like we, we keep going to examples outside the United States. And I think one of the things we're talking about with the election in particular is that this is a culture that is openly in conflict with itself, but it's not just two cultures. It's not just urban and rural. Yeah. I've mentioned that book American nations before is that there's like 11 really distinct regional cultures that have evolved in the United States. And, you know, you get people, they, you've got sanctimony all around. You got people in the, in the coasts that are, almost insufferable in terms of their attitudes to hey now (laughs) honestly like i've been there right like i know i know i mean you talk to some place like south but it's not that different than when they talked about carpetbaggers and reconstruction after the civil war people yankees coming from the north and sort of taking over taking all the good land you know people in the great migration from the south you know the minorities moving into the into the industrial my people i made a joke about my people digging ditches we were irish you know that was the only jobs we could get because they didn't want right the outsider so it's been this this is a repeating pattern but now it's it's more like after the civil war than and how do we get back because that was decade we we did it the wrong way then that was decade after decade after decade and it still isn't fixed how does how do we make it better one of the things i'd like to maybe just think about or talk about is that before it was maybe one person coming into a whole community or maybe a family coming into a whole community. But now what we're going to be seeing is maybe, you know, five families, eight families, 10 families coming into a new community. And what tends to happen in my experience is that they flock together and then they become isolated from the actual community. That happens a lot in a lot of the beach towns there in Costa Rica. There's the the American gringo, you know, white people uh, towns. And then there's like the working folk towns and they're very separated. They don't touch or communicate with each other. It's two opposite worlds. And then the Americans are always having like such a hard time or just confused why the locals don't like them, you know, and it's because they're all hanging out with each other. And the, that and, was like, true in Shanghai, too. Yeah. They have silos where they don't even bother learning the local language and you mm-hmm. can easily 
live here for 10 plus years and not even know uh, conversational Spanish, you know. So I think we would be seeing more of those silos as massive amounts of people start flocking in. They'll find the outsiders to flock to. It's only like a small, so you guys probably, I mean, I've seen this show, but I don't watch a lot of television. Um, it's not a humble brag. I just don't. Uh, I don't have <laughs> you just don't have time to even anymore. sleep. So yeah. <laughs> but the, but uh, there's a show called Shit's Creek, which <laughs> I've been watching it. Yeah. I'll be, yeah, I'll be, you can't, you can't mute that one. That's the legit name. I'm not, I, I didn't. It is. Yeah. I think this one passes the apple. That's how it's spelled. Apple. But it's really sort of a, a, only that's only really a slight uh, exaggeration on the on on what's been happening, right? Yes, you get these that's true. Way outsiders coming <laughs> into this community that they know nothing about, they immediately judge it, and people try to welcome them in. But it's clear that the judging is going both ways. They're just not communicating in the same way. Um, and I think like we talk a lot about tolerance in the news and in culture or whatever. But I think like what we really need is forbearance. It was just like, give somebody enough time to kind of like, that's right. Figure it out. Yeah. Right. Like don't, yeah. don't feel like it, it, it. That's, that's, I think what we need is just can't get tolerance, just forbearance, just let them live their life and kind of figure out how they find their way into the community. Well, you just talked about a really powerful concept in our, in a previous podcast with another guest, which was breaking bread with someone. And I've definitely found in every culture that I've worked in or lived in and even up here is that when I spend time with people, having dinner, lunch, going out for drinks, you know, it changes the dynamic. And if you're never doing that, if you're not integrating and going out to dinner with people or getting to know people and breaking bread, it's a very human thing. Sharing a meal is a very human thing. It's, it's a trusting thing. It's very, very old. It goes back to the beginning of time that you didn't have meals with someone you didn't trust because you probably hunted the meal together. And I think it it changes the dynamic. So I think as simple as it sounds, doing some of that could really go a long way. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that that goes to almost like another another show that I've seen in the last five years, the Game of Thrones thing is like that that one episode that everybody freaked out about. The reason that that was such a transgression right. is, is that those right. people had been welcomed in to eat food, you know, it was a banquet and then they were all murdered. Like that was like such a social transgression. Exactly. It's a very um, human transgression. Yeah. It's a very, it's like, yeah, it's like one of the most, the biggest betrayals you can do from one group to another. In the end, this is going to be good for us. And I'm always going to come back, <laughs> I'm always going to come back to, I think this, this distribution of people spreading out into these other communities in the end is going to be good for us. I think it's going to be good economically. I think it's going to be good culturally. I think it's going to be painful. I think there's going to be, I don't know how long it's going to last. There's going to be a period of time where trying to get people to understand each other in this conflict that we're feeling and the economic ripple effects, it's going to be hard on many sides. San Francisco is going to be losing a lot of their tax base. They're very worried about this. Restaurants are shutting down. These small communities are having people coming in and paying cash for a home and inflating home prices and spending money that without question that other people are like, really, you're just going to pay asking for that. And now prices are being driven up. So I think it's going to normalize over time. But I think in the end, it's going to be good. I think it's bringing economic vitality back into these communities, as Anna was saying at the beginning, like Detroit, like Cincinnati, 
like some of the rural communities, the farming communities have been losing people forever. It's going to bring money back into those economies, which is going to help the infrastructure, the schools, the roads, everything. But we have to get through this painful time. Yeah, it's it's almost like so many of these towns, and I'm sure you know this, Larry, is that you had these vibrant communities in places like the upper Midwest that then the highways came through after World War II and those towns got bypassed and then they just right. died. Yeah. And then you have like flyover country. And people have talked for decades about flyover country, right? And now it's fly into country, which is kind of like what's happened to places like Jackson Hole. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think you're going to see more of that. And, it, and I think you're right. And I think it is a good thing, but there's always a little bit of friction in that, that mixing, right? It's, I think like, growth is always painful. I think if anybody thinks you can have growth without some pain, they're fooling themselves. I've never known growth to never be full of friction and a little bit of pain. It's it's going to be rough. And I think maybe if we understand that and, like you said, be a little more forgiving with each other and try to get through this, I, I think we can get on the other side of this and, and be stronger as as a community, as a country, as a humanity as a whole we realize that as we always do and Anna you know this because you've lived in so many places we're more alike than we're different people are much more alike than different and it's hard because it actually has to start people have to choose to do that and and it's funny it's always easy to say like, well what people need to do and you're always talking about the other and um, this may come as a surprise to you guys but I got in a Facebook fight uh, the day after the election. Really? Uh, um, really? I've, had, I've, had, a, I've got, had a few of those myself. Yeah, but like, you know, I mix it up in the way that, uh, you know, I, I'm good at that for some reason, even when I'm not intending to, to mix it up. I just You're good at upsetting to, everybody. You know, That's what I've noticed. <laughs> I'm really good at pissing people off. It's like a talent. It's, um, it is a talent. It's a talent. But what I was actually calling for was people to be a little bit more tolerant of one another right it's like hey if your guy won guess what you didn't like it four years ago when people were spiking the ball right have your enjoy your enjoy your win but tomorrow if you really want to like move it forward like reach out like you kind of have to meet people where they're at and that's i think like there's there's been so much intolerance where people looked at each other like it's a fixed characteristic like growth is hard but growth is even harder when it doesn't feel safe to actually ask a question or to sort of grow a little bit. So, so big takeaways. What do you guys think? Don't connect with me on Facebook. Cause I'll probably piss you off. That's one. <laughs> I agree. Top, I agree top. with that. Yes. <laughs> That's a good takeaway. Uh, research is key. I think to any eco uh, world that you're a part of. Um, and like, I think Larry said earlier, if if you have a local buddy, I mean, sometimes meetup.com is a great Mm -hmm, place mm -hmm. to find local people. Uh, uh, surf, uh, what was that? Couch surfers, another one where you can meet up with local people. Mm -hmm. Um, these are excellent resources for you to kind of get a feel for what the landscape is that you're entering into. Um, and be part of a community. Yeah. I think it, in some ways it's kind of funny. This reminds me of when people would join your company from another company. And the ones who weren't savvy, the very first thing they would do was tell you, 
oh, how much better things were at their old company, the way they did things. They're like, oh, we had a much better way to run meetings at my old company than you do. Oh, we have a much better way to do this and a much better tool. And the organ rejects, gets rejected. The company's like, stop. I don't want to hear this, this one time at band camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it reminds me of that because I think sometimes people come into these communities like, well, it's so much better where I was and the food was so much better and the art scene was so much better. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Um, so I think, yeah, spend some time and, and the very first thought that you should have is not how much better everything that you do and believe is than the people in the community where you're joining. I think that's, that's well, an important thing. And I think like having some empathy, I mean, I think like the point I was trying to make earlier was like, you can choose how you react. Like you can actually see is like that person's being obnoxious. Yes. And they might be expressing that they feel a little isolated and alone and they're not sure how to navigate this. Like, you know, how can you reach out? And that's something you do control. Um, so it's hard. Like it's, it's hard to kind of meet somebody where they're at, even when mm -hmm. if they're not completely ready to do it. And sometimes that's the, that's the big challenge is to give somebody a little bit of grace to be a little bit wrong in your eyes. But if you can start a conversation, that's, that's how it keeps going. But that's, that's the choice we all have to make. Like you can't wait for the other person to do it or it never, it never gets better. I would love to recommend a book called Nonviolent Communication. I don't remember the author, but he has a beautiful story in the book where he had just flown into Palestine um, on a U.S. relations um, mission. And the day before, the U.S. military gas bombed or uh, what? what's the... What's the canisters we did that they something send? Bad. Tear gas? Tear, Tear gas. We, Tear okay, gas, the community okay. of Palestinians. Oh, man. And with children and women and all that. In the, so this guy shows up as an American, and they are absolutely, completely livid that this dude has the gall to show up. And they're calling him a murderer. They're, it's really nasty. And he lays out strategies of how he was able to calm them down um, find common ground, listen to them uh, for a good uh, quantity of time. By the end of it, the guy wanted to have Ramadan with him and his family. So just by sitting and listening, you can break through, I feel like, the most crazy uh, political spectrum you can possibly imagine uh, just through patience and really hearing what the other side has to say. So the super nerdy way of of talking about that too is they yes. talk about this in diplomacy and i i do know i do know what that word means okay Mary, before all right. you get started all right is detente and uh detente goes back to the cold war and it, it actually goes way back before that but it's basically just starting from the place of we actually acknowledge that each other has a right to exist and that we both want communication to improve and that's all you have to commit to is that the just yeah. a simple detente. Yeah. Well, this has been a, uh, a heavy episode, but I think it's timely and I think it's important to talk about because it's happening right now. And I'm, I hope some of the advice we shared helped you guys. Um, 
Anna, where can they learn more about us? Yeah, we have a website called thebraveworkforce.com. You can also email me. I love your emails. Send them to me at Anna at thebraveworkforce.com. I read every email I get. And so does Tripp, apparently, because he gets forward those emails, too. So <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you got two eyes on, on the bird here. Um, and <laughs> Tripp, you want to walk us out? <laughs> I don't this time because I want us to walk together. I want us to yes. have a little keep daytime. Putting, keep putting one foot in front Good. of the other. Better days because we, That's the only way we get forward together. All right. See you guys later. <laughs>